the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, Pastor Leighton Sheely continues his look in the book of Matthew at the Sermon on the Mount, focusing on Jesus' teaching in the sixth chapter. And so in the previous verses, 19 through 24, Jesus had focused on our attitude towards luxury. And here he focuses on our attitude towards the necessities of life, eating and drinking and so forth. The first passage was directed mostly towards the rich, And this second passage is directed at the poor. You see, both being rich and being poor have spiritual challenges. If you're new to this broadcast, it's a daily devotional visit from Pastor Leighton Sheely here on this station from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and they're on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. It says, when you fast, and so there's an expectancy that from time to time, followers of Christ will fast. He doesn't say anything here about the frequency, occasion, or method. What he's concerned about here is the motive behind the fasting. And as with the other acts of righteousness, Jesus doesn't prohibit corporate fasting. Of the uh, more than a dozen references to fasting in the New Testament, roughly half speak of corporate or Christian community uh, fast. In fact, it seems to indicate that that was a common practice in the early church. And as with individual fasts, the community fasts encourage the church to express sorrow for sin, uh, seek community forgiveness, concentrate on, on the work of God, and seek his guidance. Fasting is important for the church and was linked to two of the most significant advances in the gospel in the ancient world following Pentecost. Those examples are found in chapter 10 when Peter brings the gospel to Cornelius And the church discovers that the gospel is for all. And another is found in Acts chapter 13, where there was prayer and fasting that led to Paul's missionary journeys, where the gospel was spread all across the uh, Roman Empire. You know, psychologists tell us that when there's no food in the stomach, there's greater blood flow to the brain. And you can actually think more clearly when you're not digesting food. But if you go out and grab a burger and fries and a shake, all you want to do is sleep. And so for us to have a clear mind, it's good for us to occasionally choose to fast. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now here in these verses, Jesus is not speaking against possessions, but rather an unhealthy preoccupation with them. And he's giving us reasons why We should choose to make it our priority to store up spiritual treasures in heaven rather than material treasures here on earth. He gives us four reasons. 
The first reason he gives us is that material things do not last. They'll be destroyed by moth or rust or other such things. And if they're not destroyed, they're going to be stolen by thieves or the government or death. And then secondly, focusing on material things focuses our attentions and affections on this earth, which is passing away. And then thirdly, he points out that focusing on material things affects and clouds our ability to perceive clearly. It affects our vision. And then fourth, he, he, he says that no one can serve two masters. We either serve material things or we serve God. It's not money that's the problem. It's how we, uh, how we look at it. There are many examples in Scripture of people who were exceedingly wealthy, but they handled money and wealth appropriately. Abraham is an excellent example, and Job and David. So the problem lies with what, how we think about money and wealth. Do we love it or God first? No one can serve two masters. Notice that Jesus did not say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Our heart will follow our treasure. And we treasure what we treasure, what we treasure most controls us. And if everything that a person sets their heart upon is on earth, then we're going to have very little interest in the world to come. But if our eyes are on heaven and eternity, then the things of this world are going to grow strangely dim. They're going to fade away, as the, uh, the hymn mentions. So whatever occupies our thoughts and our time, that is our treasure. And what Jesus is saying is we need to lay up treasure in heaven, make that a priority. Now, how do we do that? Well, some people think, just get on the phone with Wells Fargo and say, hey, listen, I want to send forward uh, X amount of dollars from my savings account to my heavenly account. They're probably going to hang up on you. <laughs> right. So how do then we store up treasures in heaven? And the storing up of treasures in heaven is accomplished through acts of obedience. God rewards those acts of obedience, and they are stored up in heaven where they're not susceptible to decay and theft. They are eternally protected. Now, one of the main reasons that people are preoccupied with things of this world is because uh, they worry about the future and don't trust God to take care of them. That's why God, uh, Jesus goes on to discuss this matter of worry in the following verses. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Well, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes... The grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And so in the previous verses, 19 through 24, Jesus had focused on our attitude towards luxury, and here... He focuses on our attitude towards the necessities of life, eating and drinking and so forth. The first passage 
was directed mostly towards the rich, and this second passage is directed at the poor. You see, both being rich and being poor have spiritual challenges. The rich are, tr- are, are tempted to put their trust in their possessions. The poor are tempted to doubt God's faithful provision. But wherever a person might be, whether they're wealthy or poor or somewhere in between, their attitude towards wealth and material possessions is one of the most reliable marks of our spiritual condition. And it's so important that it's oftentimes referenced in the scripture. Almost half of the parables that Jesus said dealt with money. One out of ten verses in the New Testament talks about the same subject. Scripture offers about 500 verses on prayer, a few, a few less on on, on faith, but over 2,000 on money. And so the believer's attitude towards money and possessions and wealth is very, very important to God. Now, the phrase here, do not worry, does not imply a complete lack of concern. But what Jesus is trying to communicate is that we need to get our priorities in alignment with kingdom priorities, that we should not have a overtly concerned Uh, for things of this world, food and clothing. Uh, They should never take priority over serving God. Because if we do that, we're acting just like the heathen, the Gentiles who do not know God. You see, we know that God is good and that he is our heavenly father. He will provide what we need. And then Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus gives us two ways to defeat worry. The first is to seek first and concentrate on the kingdom of God. And then he tells us that we need to learn the art of living one day at a time. Isaiah said, thou dost keep him in perfect peace. Who? whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. We put our trust in God, then peace will result. So what do you seek first? Is it the things of this world? Because they can very easily bump God out of first place in your life. Jesus said when we get our priorities right and in alignment with the kingdom, that those things will be provided for us. When Jesus' followers seek his kingdom first, God takes care of our needs. So your homework this week, should you choose to accept it, is to think about what you think about. Each day, once or twice a day, mark it on your calendar to stop and take a few moments and think about what you've been thinking about. Are they in alignment with kingdom priorities? And if you've got any questions about what I've spoken, I'll be available for a few minutes after the service, and we have some wonderful people right across the way at Visitor Hospitality. The full sermons are available on highlands.us. And I think it would be appropriate for us to stand together and pray our benediction together. And I'd like us to pray together the Lord's Prayer. Now, some of us have learned it in various uh, various ways. Some have learned it as forgive us our debts. Others have learned it as forgive us our trespasses. Some of us have learned it as deliver us from evil, and others deliver us from the evil one. And uh, these are all biblical. And so 
Uh, let's pray the Lord's Prayer, and you pray it in whatever vision you're most familiar with. Let's pray aloud together, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go with God. Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with another edition of Study Verse by Verse, a regular visit Monday through Friday here on this station. If you'd like to know more about us, Check out the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. This series, the series in the book of Matthew, can be found right there on that website. You can listen to past messages and broadcasts on the website. And you can let us know that you listen. Just click on the contact link on the homepage. That's highlands.us, highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a great rest of your day. And come back tomorrow when we'll continue in the book of Matthew, moving to chapter 7 and study verse by verse.